It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 95 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. You're welcome. Well, thank you. (laughs) We're on our best behavior today because we have a couple of guests and we can't do the regular beatdown. You know, it's like this... Heather just, it's like pummeling somebody with fists constantly. And it gets a little old when you're in the studio having that happen. So I like to bring in guests just so I can take that reprieve and not get, you know, crushed by uh, feelings of hatred. It's like the dark side in here. I think you have that a little mixed up. I don't think so. Cynthia, listener, Cursed Listeners Crew Facebook group member extraordinaire. Pirates of the Caribbean diehard and lucky winner of some pre-screening tickets of Dead Men Tell No Tales was so very kind enough to call the pirate hotline and give us her reaction to the movie. Meanwhile, the rest of us scallywags had to sit on the sidelines and wait for the movie to actually open to the general public. Essentially, we're press ganged and forced to serve in the British Royal Navy against our wills while she's free like a pirate to apparently do whatever she pleases, including getting some special treatment to see... A movie before we can. Did you hear any jealousy in my voice? No, not at all. Oh, good. It didn't come across. That's perfect. Yep. Without further ado, here's our official Dead Men Tell No Tales pirate correspondent, Cynthia, with her reaction to the film. She's done a great job making it spoiler-free, although there is perhaps a general little spoiler. So... Minor. Yeah, minor. It's pretty minor. But if you wanted to go into the movie as a Pirates of the Caribbean 5 virgin then maybe where you haven't heard anything, then maybe you don't want to hear it. So what I'll do is I'll just give you a heads up that this is where the spoiler is. So then jump ahead like five seconds, 10 seconds, Ah, somewhere around there. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, I know what's going to happen. You guys are going to jump ahead and you're going to land right on it. And then you'll be like, damn that, Scott. (laughs) Anyways, here she is. Hi, Pirates of the Caribbean Minute by Minute Analysis listeners. This is Cynthia Ann Hurt, or Piratess Crowcaw, and I am calling to let you know my thoughts about seeing Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. On the 23rd, I was able to see a pre-screen of the film in 3D, a fact I didn't know about until I got there. So, I will try to keep it brief, to the point, and no spoilers. So, overall, let's just start with, it's amazing. Tell all your friends to get out there and go watch it. Because, like Scott said, if we get a lot of box office sales, there could be a sixth one. Next, it was quick and snappy, not drawn out. You know, all the scenes went and blended well together. The score, being a fan of Hans Zimmer, and even though his protege is doing this film, We got some of the same themes, you know, with new modern twists, so it definitely works with the whole universe. Costumes by Penny Rose, they were beautiful and gorgeous again. 
Um, as for plot, you know, we have high stakes, high action, a great swashbuckler film. And, of course, we can't forget that, yes, it did get back to the comedy. It's funny, witty, you know, very similar to The Curse of the Black Pearl. And with that being said, we have Jack being Jack. You know, the stunts that he pulls, you know, he just rolls with them. And if something doesn't go quite maybe as planned, he still is like, oh, yeah, that's the way it was supposed to be. Warning, this is a small spoiler ahead, so if you don't want to hear anything about the upcoming Dead Men Tell No Tales, then skip ahead the next 11 seconds and you'll be free and clear. I do have to say, though, I did tear up at one of the scenes. It was very touching, so uh, maybe that's a little spoiler. There's one death, but I won't tell you who. Um, being that I saw it in 3D, and I bet, you know, just regular movie, the CG effects were spectacular. They're awesome. It's, it's so amazing. Um, we've really come a long way with that. The characters, both old and new, you know, familiar faces and new ones like Henry Turner and Karina Smith, they're all very believable. We get a lot of backstory to support them. Um, you know, from the previews, the trailers, we get that there is going to be a young Jack Sparrow. So that is a really neat scene, one to look out for. I know Scott and Heather have brought it up in their minute-by-minute analysis about the landscape, the view shots of the ships sailing on the water. Those shots are still stunning. You know, it definitely lives up to all the hype. Cynthia, you're awesome, and thanks so much for the perfect reaction message. It's something, really, I hope to get everyone fired up and out to see the movie something to do this long weekend they can go out and see the movie and then maybe we can get a sixth one if you guys want to see us having to do podcasts for the rest of our lives you'll go see it (laughs) that way we're doing pirates of the caribbean when we're old and gray so go ahead and do that heather and i will be discussing the film in a couple of episodes the first as we dance around generalities in a regular episode probably and then try not to drop any spoilers and then we'll do a second one which will be more of like a robust breakdown and a special weekend episode that you can check out shortly afterwards. So thanks again, Cynthia. And if you'd like to leave a message and share your thoughts on Pirates of the Caribbean, whether it's Curse of the Black Pearl or the new Dead Men Tell No Tales that just came out. Or just Pirates in general. Or Pirates in general, whatever. Yeah, we talk about all that stuff. Yeah. So feel free to give us a call at 8637-PIRATE and we'll probably play your message on the air. Unless you tell us not to. Then I'll still play it, probably. <laughs> no, I'm pretty respectful on that. Pirate! <laughs> if Heather asked me not to play it, then that's when I would play it. Of course. But we do have our couple of special guests, as I said, and that's Andrew and Carson, the guys hosting and producing a brand new podcast and show, Slapdash Scripts. We connected with Carson and Andrew as they were working on another project at the time, and we're discussing a film franchise. Well, actually, it was a podcast that was discussing film franchises that were coming out with new sequels and one of those was pirates of the caribbean welcome guys and thanks for joining us today thank you for having us yes it's great to be here gotta tell us a little bit about yourselves i mean you have this great new project that's underway so let everyone know who you are and what exactly is slapdash scripts well i'm carson i'm andrew 
And we have, uh, we've been friends for about four years and we went to the same high school together and we're very passionate about filmmaking and storytelling. And we created our first podcast under Carson and Andrew on carsonandandrew.com, which was called Back to the Point, which we're probably going to return to eventually. But um, we started by re- reviewing the Pirates of the Caribbean series and then we reviewed the Spider-Man series. So the goal was to kind of review uh, films that were about to have a new edition and review up to that point. And I think we got burnt out because of <laughs> Outworld's End, would you say? I think, yeah, <laughs> the three hours that was Outworld's End. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was just, it's kind of a crazy ride. And after reading the Wikipedia page to Outworld's End, we were already tired. And that was just the beginning <laughs> of the podcast. So. But the, um, so we got kind of burnt out from that one. And so we were like, we're going to come back to this when we're passionate about it. But we found something new that we are definitely not going to get burnt out on, which is Slapdash Scripts. Slapdash is a podcast. Each one's about 30 minutes long. We give a genre, a character, and a word. So one of the oh, examples cool. was the, uh, the genre was a Western, the character was a professional bowler, and the word was, what was it? The word was cephalopod. <laughs> yeah, so we tried to make sure that it's very hard to connect these things. And then yeah. we tell who's ever writing, whether it be me or Andrew, or um, we've had two other people write for us, some of our friends, and we're hoping that other our audience will start to write as well, nice. which is uh, you, you set a timer for two hours and you write a script. And whatever happens after that two hours, you export it and you send it to us and we do a table read. And we had sound <laughs> effects and we had music. And it's, it's, like, it's almost as if you're watching a movie that we've never made. We read the notes. We read everything. And so, but there's a lot of typos. There's a lot of plot holes. The, they, they turn out either hilarious or dark. It's just it, we don't know what's, go, what, what's going to happen, it really. So it's, uh, we're really excited about that. And we're having a lot of fun with that one. But that is awesome. That's really unique, too. And especially with podcasts that are catching on again if you will are having this resurgence people are really looking for interesting new unique content and i think that puts you guys right in the middle of that yeah yeah we uh we were surprised how the how many our how our characters even though we wrote write these in two hours and they turn out terribly because <laughs> that's kind of the point but the characters we ended up loving them we think we're going to do at the end of our first season we're going to do a crossover episode with every single character we've created there's a mute pirate there's a there's a horse. There's everything. So we're excited about it. <laughs> that so, sounds cool. Yeah, it does. So is that going to be like a weekly podcast or is it something or is it just kind of whenever or how? what's kind of the schedule on that that people can look for? Uh, we released the first three episodes really close together. So we had somewhat of an index uh-huh. and now we're doing them every Monday. Every Monday. So it'll be every Monday throughout the summer. We are either going to do 13 or 24. We haven't decided yet. We'll see what uh, 13 episodes or 24 a season. And then we both go off to different colleges because I'm actually studying film production at Florida State next year. Gotcha. Cool. And uh, Andrew's at KU, University of Kansas. So we'll we'll, we'll just see what happens. But we definitely want to get one full season of those out of the way. So you can find those at uh, carsonandandrew.com. And if you want to find the podcast, it's of course on iTunes and Google Play and might be on TuneIn by the time this comes out, hopefully. So. so does that mean that you're going to have to then expand into video podcasts? So you do first the audio version, and then you have to do a video podcast so you can <laughs> act it all out? <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we actually, Andrew can actually talk about yeah, this. Yeah, we've, uh, we've been starting to draw some storyboards for all of these that we're going to probably uh, sync up with the, with the audio to put on YouTube. Oh, get out of here. I was just making that up, but that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we would, we would not, we would do not have the budget to act these out. I got mad at one of my friends cause he wrote a script where there was a plane crash and, uh, 
it was impossible to do sound effects on because there's no plane crash sound effect. There's a thousand different things you have to do. But yeah. since we do pretty complex sound effects with while we read, so if I say, like, he's running down the hallway, you'll hear footsteps kind of thing. But he put a plane crash in there, which means I had to spend probably two days editing together a bunch of different sounds <laughs> to make a plane crash. <laughs> so, yeah. But Andrew, Andrew's in graphic design, so he can take over the, uh, the storyboard part of it. Well, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch how that evolves, too. Yeah. All the cool stories that come out of that. Because it definitely... Well, you guys are going to be able to then just roll right in as you're going to school then and in the university. You're just going to have your projects all ready to go, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I would get good grades on my assignments if I turned in what like Mr. Hoop Holiday was one. It was just... They're, they're zany and they're fun. And so... I But they're not good at all. <laughs> next one is a... The next one is a musical, and we have to write that in two hours. I don't know how we're going to do it. The genre is a musical. So. Oh, that's going to be fun, though. I think yeah. a lot of people are going to be interested in that. Yeah. It's yeah. just going to be, yeah. There's, and you, I know you spoke of you know, Spider-Man 2 for Back to the Point, and, or Spider-Man and the, that franchise, but there's also, I know some guys that are doing the movie by minute. They're at Dueling Genre. And I know that he actually is doing a Spider-Man minute right now. So if you're ever going back to that, definitely reach out to Scott Corelli and that crew over at Dueling Genre. They might have some. Yeah, for sure. Because because even if we don't do specific crossovers on Back to the Point, and even if we come to with the idea that we're doing slapdash scripts right now, trust me, we've watched Pirates of the Caribbean way too many times. (laughs) Not not as many, but just we've watched it so many times. I've gone back to the first one just to remind myself why I should be watching the rest of them at some points. (laughs) Exactly. It It is quite the adventure, we'll just say that. Oh, it was just, each one has so many unique creative elements and they're all so good. It's just, some of them are just so confusing and so everywhere. (laughs) It's just, it's hard, but. Yeah. So getting back to say our minute here, I know you guys are just jumping into minute 95, but you have, I guess, spent quite a bit of time with the other films and Curse of the Black Pearl. So, I mean, are you fans of the film franchise in general or maybe just the, the first one or a couple of them? I mean, how does that work out for you? Well, I think Carson has been a kind of a fanboy since he was a child, but I hadn't seen these until I was in high school, so I watched all of them in one weekend. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> uh and I was I was pretty hooked after that, I think. <laughs> I I love these movies. I they're I mean, they get of course progressively either more zany or less grounded, but uh-huh, I love Jack Sparrow and the the act never gets old on me. I hope that's still true with Dead Man Tell No Tales. Um, I just, I love them and I love watching them. So there's not, even on Stranger Tides, that, which was, it's so different than the rest of them. I still love watching it because it's still somewhat the same characters. Yeah, we had, we definitely had a lot of fun talking about that too. There's almost like some psychedelic aspects is how I can put some of that, especially with him when he gets into his crazy land. And I know we're not really talking about some of the sequels yet here on on our minute, but just with uh, a massive amount of Jack Sparrows and a bunch of crabs and all these kinds of weird illusions and, and things yeah, it it can put you on a trip. So you must've just really been watching them all in one weekend. Kind of, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that was one of the better decisions of my life or actually the worst decision of my life. And when we, we were reviewing them, and we we always we don't want to like completely 
you know, mock some piece of art because each one has so many, I mean, purposefully creative and different things. And they're really trying most of the time. Sometimes, you know, they just throw Jack Sparrow all over the screen. And then that's when the Disney executives take over, I think. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> besides that, like, they really do try. And so you just you have to sit there and you your brain just hurts. You're like, there's so much effort, but I just don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was probably a few times actually watching, say, Dead Men's Chest or at World's End, that I really started to, you go, okay, I really got to pay attention to what's going on yeah. here. Yeah. No, the funniest thing we found is that on the Wikipedia page, the Wikipedia uh, summary, there's a line on there that says, through a series of complex deals. And <laughs> that, they decide, whoever was writing Wikipedia decided, I can't even explain this. I just have to say, through a series of complex deals. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the best explanation for it. Because anybody reading it, it would definitely get confused for that. So yeah. not to put you on the spot then, and I guess this will be subject to change after seeing maybe the new film, but just the first four that you have seen, how would you rank those first four movies? What's your like oh, we did favorite this. to least favorite? Yeah, we did. Oh, hit us. Yeah. Favorite to least favorite. Um, or, or backwards, I'll go, whatever. I'll go f- I don't want to know Andrew, so I'll go first. Um, and Andrew might say something different. Of course, the first one is the best. Um, just obviously, I, I don't even really need to go into that, but then... <laughs> Then I think number two, just for the ending, um, Dead Man's Chest has an amazing ending. And I, I absolutely love it. I fanboy over that ending every time I see it. And it also has – the beginning's really cool. Just that middle is what is kind of uh, – I don't really enjoy as much. And then on Stranger Tides for some reason because it's not – it's just I don't think it's as good as At World's End, maybe, but it's just more fun to watch. And then At World's End would be last, but At World's End has some of my favorite lines in it, some of the coolest dialogue, I think. Yeah. So I don't know, but the that would be my order. It would go one, two, four, three. What about you, Andrew? Yeah, I think I I would pretty much agree with that. I uh, we we got some issues with this on the podcast that we just agreed on every single point of this movie, <laughs> uh, so there wasn't a whole lot of discussion to be had. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think that especially on Stranger Tides, we found to be much more, I think it just entertaining than our world's end is. Yeah. I'm with you guys on the order. That's, that's typically how my order is. And I was having trouble putting into, you know, why did I really like that? And part of it, I think was some of the characters. Cause I really just, just like Ian McShane and I thought, okay, he's somebody new that we're seeing here. I don't know, something back to Deadwood, I guess, when he was on that, that I just kind of gravitated towards him. But I think a Blackbeard kind of character with Ian McShane, it kind of just hit me right. And I thought, okay, I'm going to, you know, it's just something that kind of placed it at, at above At World's End for me, I think. Yeah, the we, I don't think we, well, I had not seen Ian McShane in anything at all. So I did not know anything about him. Just looking at his performance straightforward, I think we didn't like Blackbeard as much as, say, Barbosa because it felt... Oh, that's definitely the case is, for it, us. Or at least for well, me. The, yeah. Just because, yeah, it's... I mean, he is the first villain in the series that is so... Just a straightforward villain, Blackbeard that's is. That's right. He's just just a villain. That's it. I mean, every villain, and we talk about this a lot, how Barbosa and Davy Jones, they both toe that line of, are you evil or are you just doing mm-hmm. what your character would do based on your motivations because barbosa is completely motivated throughout curse That's of the right. black pearl and davy davy jones is as well throughout all both of those movies but blackbeard's the one where he is motivated to a certain extent but it just it feels like he's doing he's hitting more of those villain uh plot points and that that was we were disappointed that we didn't get more of a Barbosa, but you can only do each villain once, and that's the yeah, and that's, that's the right. problem. I think for me, 
and the, the fourth one, just the whole story with Barbosa explaining his devotion to the Pearl and why he was trying to get revenge on Blackbeard. I think that's really what, what the, brought that ahead of, of the third one for me. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think because Davy Jones, actually, he was kind of this love, you know, really kind of this, I don't know, it's almost like he was trapped with this love and that he couldn't attain this love for for this, well, now I can't think for of her Tia name For Tia Dalma? Right yeah, Tia Dalma. And, you know, he just couldn't get it. And, yeah, and he just couldn't get it. And so it was motivated yeah. partly by this love. And whereas Blackbeard, yeah, he was somebody new. And I like Ian McShane. And he came in, did the whole Blackbeard thing and a new take on it. And I think also because the other two movies then kind of sandwiched together were really one long movie, that it was a nice break. Is At least that's how I ordered them because it kind of broke up that you know, we're seeing the same kind of people over and over yeah. again. Yeah, the uh, Blackbeard is, I would say, the, definitely the best representation of what everyone thinks a pirate is <laughs> yeah, in that movie. Right. I mean, because I don't think of Barbosa, because Barbosa actually has a pretty good heart, comparatively, for a pirate. I mean, these are all Disney pirates, given, but they're still, I mean, Blackbeard does have that he's evil and he loves it kind of idea. Yeah. So that there's there's definitely that going on. I think the Blackbeard, the confusion with me of whether I should like that character is because of Penelope Cruz and her, is, like, is she the daughter? Is she not? And then I, that still confuses me. We still never understood. Is she the daughter of Blackbeard or is she, I mean, maybe eventually you guys will get all the way to... Uh, <laughs> The uh, on Stranger Tides minute, which I don't know how many podcasts you have to do before you get there. I, yeah, but if you find out, if you find out if Penelope Cruz is character, whatever her name is, what is her name? Voodoo character number one. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I, I, what, are, what is her name? Uh, Angelica. It's Angelica. Might be Angelica. That sounds right. Actually, yeah. I'm trying to think of it yeah. right now. And yeah, I, th- I think it's Aunt, my yeah. My dearest Angel, I don't know, whatever. And so I just that that whole thing confused me, and we're still confused. So my is Blackbeard's motivation tied to the daughter? But I guess not. But I will say the end of On Stranger Tides, that the climax, that is a very great scene. Whenever you know the the big twist. That's right. But I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> yeah. So in probably what three or four years, we may hit that yeah. that mark. I mean, we were. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was trying to do the, my math in my head. I didn't want to lock you guys in for another two, three hundred podcasts. <laughs> I mean, we were figuring. I mean, we did uh, some calculations on a podcast not too long ago. If there's a new movie, or even if you bring in all the movies, I mean, we're talking like nine hundred podcasts. If they really actually extend everything to ten yeah. sequels, you know, yeah. or to ten, a total of ten yeah. films, that would just be insane. Yeah, they. they I, I heard that the other day. Um, this is an Avatar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're not James Cameron. You can't just make 20 sequels. <laughs> so yeah, it's really insane what their what their plans are. But I guess it all is going to hinge on how well the box office does for this one. Does it perform? It's going to be interesting. Yeah, it really will because there has been a period of time that it's been out of theaters. So we'll see what happens. But there's a lot of people out there that are really Pirates of the Caribbean fans. Well, the uh, the main problem. About the box office is I don't know if they allow this one in China, but the Disney and a lot of major studios right now are on the I want China to love my movie so much because they that's where the big that's box right. office hits oh. are for like Transformers. But I know the first four parts of the Caribbean movies were banned in China because of ghosts and and all the supernatural things in them. And so they didn't get the box office draft from China. So I don't know if this one's banned or not. But if it's not and they, they like it, then I'm sure that they'll make another 20. <laughs> and then uh, I... 
I hope this does well because I did the summer movie wager. I don't know if you know about uh, the summer movie wager. Oh, I do not. No, it's a, it's a, it's fantasy football for movie nerds. It's I don't know what the website is exa- exactly, but essentially you pick your top ten movies, your performing movies domestically of twenty the summer of twenty seventeen, and then once summer ends, it's done. So you don't want to pick a movie that comes out in August, but you also don't want to pick a movie that came out in say May and is going to run into summer. So you want to you want your and then you pick your top ten, and you get three wild cards. So you get thirteen movies in total, and then you just watch, and you hope that you'll win. Oh, that's awesome! Know if there's a prize. It's just for fun. So, but so where do you have Pirates of the Caribbean? Oh, I have it um, like number two, maybe three. Oh, really? Yeah, I think I put. I, I, it's up there. I think it'll do well. These movies do really well. So each I one would, is almost. I mean, Curse of the Black Pearl was around six hundred fifty million, but most of the other ones were were right on that cusp or actually surpassed the billion dollar mark. Yeah, it'll see. Yeah. It'll be interesting. So remind everybody where they can find you again, and then we'll kind of jump into minute ninety five and get that rolling. Um, yes, uh, Carson and Andrew dot com is where we uh, host all the podcasts, and we have some uh, other content on there. So that's Carson and Andrew. I know there's two ands in there, but that was on purpose. So Carson <laughs> and Andrew, and then um, of course both are podcasts. We really want everyone to check out Slapdash Scripts. Slapdash is one word. Um, in iTunes, search that on iTunes or search it in uh, Google Play. And again, eventually probably tune in and Stitcher if they respond to our uh, requests. So, but yeah, so definitely check out Slapdash. You can check out Back to the Point if you want to hear more Pirates of the Caribbean definitely. stuff because uh, not nearly in depth, but we did do one big long podcast. Each one's about two and a half hours, I think. So, uh, yep, so Carson and Andrew.com. All right, we ready to jump in a minute 95? Sounds good. In the previous gratuitous minute, Elizabeth Swan, under the bright lights of the Black Pearl stage, accompanied by the oh-so-unpleasant bouncer, enduring the grimy, smoky interior full of whooping and hollering men, and of course, all holding their swords, takes stripping and walking the plank to a whole new level. It's a Pirates of the Caribbean wet shift contest. Strange, but that's the only thing I remember from the last minute. (laughs) Well, that and tucking a couple of pieces eight in her corset, but... If you're not excited about the first dancer, don't despair as DJ Kohler gets the party started for the main attraction, escorting Captain Jack Sparrow to the stage. I mean the plank. Minute 95 begins with Captain Barbosa putting his arm around Jack Sparrow. That's Captain Jack Sparrow saying, Did you notice? That be the same little island we made you governor of on our last little trip. The minute ends with Jack plunging headfirst off the plank after his sinking pistol, diving into the crystal blue salty water, retrieving his items off the reef and ascending to the surface. So I'm not sure if you guys actually had a chance to listen to some of the recent episodes, but, or at least maybe it's yesterday's or the previous one. I don't remember exactly which one, but anyways, we were discussing if Will Turner had any other choice in this situation rather than revealing his hand to Barbosa that he was the blood of bootstrap Bill Turner. So although that's not necessarily mm-hmm. the question I have here, it's kind of on that same note or idea. So Barbosa is now forcing Jack to walk the plank and marooning him on this deserted island. And so obviously there's no love loss between the two. But if Will was a bit more savvy negotiating terms with Barbosa and asked for the return of the Black Pearl or to hand over the ship back to Jack, do you think it's in Barbosa's character to have actually complied with that request to end the curse? If that was going to get him Will Turner, would he have actually handed over the Black Pearl? Hmm. Hand over the Black Pearl? Yeah, or hand it over to Jack. Kind of give it back to Jack. Because, you know, Jack was I, in the previous minute was trying to get Will or he's trying to pressure Will to don't forget me. Don't forget to mention the Black Pearl as part of the terms of the agreement, which Will never does. 
But if Will had actually done that, is that in Barbosa's character to actually want to hand over that black pearl to Jack or to Will? I, I don't. I wouldn't think so, considering that they gave him a. They, he agreed on a deal, and he didn't even follow through on that deal completely. <laughs> he found the loophole in it. So I don't know. He. It seems though Barbosa is not as in love with the pearl until the later movies, until uh, On Stranger Tides. So I don't know if this version of Barbosa would, but he does end up double crossing Jack. Uh, later on in the series to get the pearl back multiple That's times. Right. So I, I just I don't know where Barbosa stands on his love for the pearl. He would need some sort of mm-hmm. ship to, you know, get get around. So I don't know. Yeah, my question is is the pearl itself cursed? The the pearl is it part of the curse? I don't is it? I don't think it is. I don't know. Yeah, that's something that we tackled Early on, or at well, some in, point, maybe it wasn't early on. I think when we got to actually Isla de Muerta, we actually talked about that because there's some people out there that think that the Black Pearl was actually cursed. And then we ended up going to Disney and talk, you know, listening to the writers and stuff. And they said, no, the ship is not cursed, but they are. And that's why this unnatural fog tends to follow the ship. So it's not technically supposed to be cursed. Okay. But the people are, and that's why the fog tends to follow it around. So if if Jack were to get his hands on the pearl, he himself would not be instantly cursed. That's right, yeah. So supposedly it's not. The writers were actually saying how that was how they presented it. The ship's not cursed. The pirates are. The island is actually cursed. So it's taken on some of the cursed properties because that's where the treasure chest or the Aztec gold has been kept. But as far as... Like production and the production design, they kept making the ship more and more tattered and looking more and more cursed itself. So that's where some of that confusion happened. So the writers were saying no, but the production design kind of edged that way. That's why there's so many torn (laughs) sails and stuff. So I think that was more of a battle between writing and script versus the look that they wanted to have on the actual film. Maybe some uh, John Knoll, visual effects supervisor. He's one of our favorites, was pushing for more of that supernatural look. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, because yeah. you do see ships later on in the series. Not that we know what happens later we on in the no series, clue. per se. But the ships right. do have some of these properties that are a little supernatural. Yeah, the uh, maybe it was just one of those ideas. I know the I know the right. I don't know. Did you t- you, t- you said you listen to Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio is, is that how you pronounce it? Uh we've been saying the uh, the writers. Yeah. Yeah. The um well I I know that they had uh not to give anything away about maybe the enti- uh future plots of future stories but they had this idea that they really wanted to make uh, for number four, well, they wanted to make it for two and three. It was, of course, the Fountain of Youth story when they read On Stranger Tides, the novel. And yeah. they really wanted to make it. And then they, they grabbed that creativity and put it aside for a little bit. And they almost put it into two and three, but they saved it for four. So maybe it was kind of one of those situations where they really liked the idea of a cursed ship. But they say and they said, well, let's kind of do it now and we'll really do it later if we get the chance. Maybe it was one of those ideas. That's definitely maybe, possible. Yeah. It's amazing how much, you know, when you're sitting in a theater chair watching it, and then you look behind the scenes at how much actually goes into the work of creating a script and how everything intertwines and comes out. It it really is an amazing process yeah. and a creative yeah. process. So is this just another way of Will was acting rash again, or if this was actually a viable solution to keep Elizabeth safe? It's like to hell with Jack and the rest of the crew because Will doesn't really care about them. But Elizabeth mm-hmm. was, you know, it was his only option at that point, at least from his standpoint, to just reveal that he's bootstrap bill turner's son and he has the blood that they need to repay so 
Yeah, I was just curious if Barbosa was actually going to would take that deal and then find a loophole, like you said, because that's his modus operandi, I guess. I'm actually, I was surprised that I understand the, the movie blocking and the idea that, I mean, a movie has to happen a certain way, but in the reality of this world, there logistically would Will have just st- stood there if Barbosa really did come through and said, we're going to let Jack and Elizabeth go but we're not going to let him go until we get somewhere where they're safe, not on this random island. Would he have really stood on the side of the ship ready to throw himself off at every given moment to make sure the deal continued to happen in that way? Yeah. That makes sense. Because it was the idea that he was going to slit his throat and throw himself into the ocean and his blood would not be useful. That's right. But if he just said, if Barbosa was just like, yes, of course, well, I'll do that. And then he walks onto the ship. Why didn't they just grab him and say, no, we're not going to do that while well, we're pirates? That's right. So he had to yeah. have... He had to have stood on the side of the ship and continued that, like, if you don't do this, I'm going to do the, I'm going to kill myself and you're not going to get my blood. So did he really expect to stand on there for maybe days waiting for them to get to a port where Jack and Elizabeth can jump off? That's a good point. Yeah. I don't know if – I think Will is so rash that I don't know if he would have actually done that. Yeah. <laughs> well, he did come up with this plan while he was drowning. That is true. <laughs> so I will cut him some slack for that. <laughs> <laughs> It's not like he yeah, he pulled plan B out of his back pocket like, oh, this is what happens when I'm drowning and the ship's going to explode. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite part about these movies is Orlando Bloom swimming underwater for extended shots and time. <laughs> There's actually some really great underwater scenes. I really am. I just love a lot of the underwater scenes yeah. in this movie. Yeah, the uh, I, I love how practical all the effects are. Um, there are a lot of practical effects. I mean, I know there's a lot of digital as well, but they were definitely on a ship, and it's you can tell. That's right, so. yeah. yeah. And I guess since we've been talking about Barbosa and this island here, is it wise for Barbosa, do you think, to maroon Jack and Elizabeth on the same island that he successfully escaped from the last time? I mean, is that a good evil captain? No way. Yeah, <laughs> right? Like, you know he just got <laughs> off there. got off the first time. He knows how to get off of it. It's it's not as if Barbosa was in charge of the rum the rum traders, and he's he said, oh, my gosh, I totally forgot. I, I have my rum traders here. Well, I'm going to make sure that I stop my rum trade in order for the next time that I meet Jack, who I think is dead. I'm going to put him on the <laughs> yeah. island. And then it, it just it's, it, it makes no sense. Maybe it was just the closest island, and Barbosa just went with it because oh, I, I'm just going to make this, like, very poetic. He's going to get poetic justice here. And that's what he said in his mind when he was scrambling for for a reason to throw him back on the same island. That's what I was thinking too, because I can't imagine that Barbosa. Oh, he just didn't want to carry Jack on board that whole time. If, I mean, if you want to get rid of your over-the-top Sparrow guy that you know keeps coming back to haunt you, I mean, yeah, you could actually send first. You could send Pintel and Rigetti over there. Send them to the island. Give it a once-over. And then you could leave them there if you wanted to even. But, you know, you just I'm make, glad. make sure that the island doesn't have a bunch of longboats sitting on it that they can just <laughs> row right off of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. They could have, there could have been an entire village yeah. there. Like, oh, you guys want to leave? Sure, why not? And I mean, yeah, of course. We don't want you here. You're weird. You look like you're drunk all the time. I was like, this is also one of the first times in this movie that I remember seeing Jack visibly concerned. Not, not foolishly and acting out that he's concerned for the purpose of escaping, but really actually concerned. I don't know how many other times this has happened so far. That's right. I think, I believe that this is really the first time that he is, we don't know what happens or how he escaped from the island yet, as far as our minute breakdown. So basically what we have is this sea turtle story that he used to make a raft out of them with his hair on his back. So I think that 
as an audience were left wondering, okay, this is obviously a fake story. Something crazy happened. And it's probably like Barbosa said, a miraculous escape. Maybe that's what Jack realizes. Like, man, I, I used my one shot. It's like he has nine lives, mm-hmm. but he used them all to get off that island. And there's not going to be another one. Well, he's, he always has multiple plans on how to get out of a situation. There's no plan here. There's no, he doesn't have any backup. Yeah. You know, there isn't we, any backup. Right. He knows the situation out there and just, there's no backup. The, I will say, as I'm uh, looking through this, I noticed a couple things in this minute. Um, if you don't, if you don't Go mind me it. saying, can I, yeah. I just, okay. I did notice a couple things about watching the, w- watching this moment. The first is, actually really great cinematography in that this is when Barbosa finally has Jack in his kind of hands again and he's doing another bad thing to Jack and he's crossing him over again and you can see that the camera shot whenever the camera cuts to Barbosa talking to Jack is under Barbosa's chin it's looking up at him That's right. and so Barbosa is standing over Jack and over the audience and then if you cut to Jack Jack is one for one of the first times under the camera and he's looking up and now Barbosa is above him so that's a I know that's a one of the most simple uh, cinematography effects but it, it's very effective in that this is one of the first times that not only is Jack concerned but the filmmaking is showing yes Jack is very concerned and this Barbosa is looming over him both literally and with the camera work um, the other thing I notice is not nearly as in-depth or uh, as that it's that gunpowder doesn't work when it's wet and this is not to spoil anything, later <laughs> reference in these movies. And so what do you, but it's not in this movie. So it's, uh, if they would have just never had that line in the later movie of, oh, the gunpowder's what, I would have been fine with this, but he definitely has to go into the water to get his gun. So that's right. Yeah. Not- yeah. I started doing some actual research on that just to see, yeah. cause there's some people that say that can dry out and then it can be fine. And others were actually saying that if it dries out, or if it has been wet and it dries out, then it's really prone to misfire. Yeah, if mm. it's wet, there's actually, yeah, there was a lot of just research and stuff that went into that, or at least me scouring the internet of all these forums of people who do these reenactments of saying, if you're out in the the battlefield and it's raining, you have a special kind of cloth that goes over your flintlock there huh. to keep it from getting wet and you have to clean it out. But yeah, I, I don't know. This, these pistols have definitely probably been wet multiple times. And if we know Jack has already been on the <laughs> island before, he's probably swam yeah. there and he's already been underwater yeah, I mean, with the, in the earlier minute with the boat over them, kind mm-hmm. of that submarine scene. So this, this powder in this, in his pistols definitely been wet quite a bit. <laughs> Which is which is fine. Just don't reference it later on in the movies as saying, "Oh, by the way, if these get wet, they don't work." Yes, right. they do. They work fine. I mean, I understand they probably were like, "Let's do some more research outside of the amusement park ride that we base this off of." But I just, I don't know. Those were that's what those were. That was just a couple things that I remembered. I was that really just stood out to me. Yeah, it's interesting. So I think that sometimes they just hope you forget. Maybe that's why some of the other sequels were very long and then that way you go oh okay that's that's what happened <laughs> i don't remember any of that <laughs> they spent most of the time researching gunpowder instead of writing an actual script <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what i get bogged down in like i should be doing something for the show but i really got to find this out and i end up spending all this time on little things that make no sense and yeah. then i go i didn't even really get a solid answer out of that so why did i even do Just that through a series of complex yeah, deals this right. podcast happens. i think that's how i'm gonna use that actually i think i'm gonna use that line. Yeah. <laughs> go for it <laughs> getting back to that island too actually now that i can't think of it if, if jack is then being put back on the same island that he escaped from 
I'm wondering actually if this is because he actually gives only one shot. It's and he tells Jack that, well, you can do a favor and shoot the lady and then go ahead and starve yourself. So is this sending him back on that island all part of this kind of retribution or making Jack suffer? This kind of way of getting him or getting back at Jack for not being cursed. Did he escape this curse? And so is this Barbosa has a chance to curse Jack himself with this kind of starvation element. You know, mm-hmm. this is why he's sending them back to the island. Besides maybe if we overlook the fact that it was probably just on their way and, and they stopped off there. Yeah, there's a, there, from what I uh, noticed in this, there's just, they really want that poetic justice, as I said, the payoff of the one shot, which is very effective. And it's one of the coolest things in this movie, the the one shot, the idea you only have one That's shot. Right. And, he, decided, and he, he said he's saving it. Realistically, he would have given him two shots had the poetic justice not been in there. I mean, Jack basically said, "I want a gun." He said, "You're right. You should have a gun." And so, you know, he should have been like, "You're right. You should have another bullet." If he was being so open to just giving him his stuff back. And what about the rest of the crew? So this whole other Motley crew, Jack's other crew from the Interceptor. I mean, we only see yeah Jack and Elizabeth going overboard. Yeah, and the rest of the crew yeah. are still there. So is Barbosa like planning to press gang them into service on the Pearl, or what's going on there? He's just going to keep. Some I extra guess it would be that he he knows that if he sends eight pirates over to an island, they can pretty easily get off of it. Uh. Maybe he thought, maybe he was considering that Elizabeth. He doesn't know who Elizabeth is, right? He thinks that he knows that she's not who she said she is, but he doesn't know that she's royalty. That's right. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe he was thinking, well, maybe someone's searching for this girl. So my two biggest liabilities are her and the idiot that keeps uh, dancing around my ship. Let's just get them away, <laughs> and then I'll decide what to do with the rest of these guys later. As well as Zoe Saldana. That's a lot of sea turtles you need to get all those that crew off the island. That's what. Yeah, yeah. They, they need a whole fleet of sea turtles. <laughs> I am the sea turtle admiral. I have to give props to actually Verbinski for he's pulling a shell game here maneuver on the audience and not having. And this is the big thing here for me. He doesn't have Jack do the swan dive off the plank. His hands are tied, so that's probably it. But it's just a regular dive, and so. As you guys are or studying film and that kind of stuff, what is with the swan dive thing? This is kind of my big thing. Is is there, you know, I kind of point out the swan dive cliches. So am I breaking kind of my own cliche by pointing out that we don't see a swan dive here? Or is there or a rule in films? Maybe you guys could tell me that then. Is there a rule in films you can only have one swan dive per film? And they already used ah, it. The old swan dive enigma. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there was a code. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, and the swan dives are just – they just look cool. It's like walking away from explosions. They, it just looks cooler than if you were running for some reason. I don't know. The um, you, you mean when he throws his arms out, right? Yeah, exactly. He, he like sails. That's not logistically a good idea because you don't know how fast you're going to get to the water. Right. <laughs> I mean – I mean, it, maybe the only character this makes sense with is Jack Sparrow because in his mind he's always thinking, "How do I look like the coolest yeah. pirate?" That's, That's actually his somewhat of his motivation. So that the swan dive is actually in character, and I think his hands being tied are the only reason. I want to know about the stunt man. Were his hands actually tied? Because I'm looking at the frame, and it looks like there's rope. And if so, who told him he should dive into an ocean with? 
his hands tied and we'll, we'll yeah. just get you right after we call cut. I can't hear cut. I'm underwater. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's a good point. I don't know. I didn't find anything on specifically if his hands were actually tied, but I knew that there were actually two stunt doubles. So they had the one stunt man who did the dive and then you have the one who does the swimming or diving further under the water. So there's two different stuntmen. One specialty is diving wow. and I guess one specialty is swimming <laughs> while hands tied. So that's how that <laughs> probably works. <laughs> they put that on the resume, I'm sure. Exactly. <laughs> Special skills. And then you have Jack, I guess he went back to LA and in the tank he did the close up shots when they did that. But it was actually two different guys, okay. yeah. So hands tied, I, mean, I don't it's, know. It's not yeah, it's not the hardest thing to look... I mean, talking about stunt doubles, it's not the most difficult thing to look like Jack Sparrow because you can throw a bunch of makeup on. Mm. So just any normal man can... I don't know if you've ever looked online for Jack Sparrow impersonators. Oh, yeah. They are so expensive. Oh, huh. my gosh. Huh. They're hundreds of dollars. It's incredible. And I and I mentioned this in Back to the Point that I went into... A, I went on Disney cruises yeah. um, multiple times uh, as, a, as a kid, and I, I did up until last year. And they had Pirate Night. I don't know if you've ever heard of any of the stuff they do on the cruises that Disney does. They have a, like their own little Jack Sparrow adventure on the ship, and he falls, and it looks just like Jack oh, Sparrow. You can just throw makeup on anybody. Uh. Yeah, no, it's really, really cool. You can look online and have videos of it. It's its own little story. He has his own, uh, what is it? It's a, what's the name? MacGuffin. There's his own MacGuffin for this weird cruise ship story. And he looks just like Jack Sparrow, just like these stuntmen. You just throw a beard and some uh, eye shadow on him and you're Jack Sparrow. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> a little wig and. <laughs> hey, I think I got a second career going on here now. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? You to get out there. <laughs> <laughs> so we we're talking about the curse um the we uh, the the most interesting thing we came across and stop me if you've already talked about this so you're talking about how barbosa might be angry at jack for escaping the curse because that's barbosa's motivation and jack somehow escaped this because of just a coincidence of a marooning at the wrong time that's right um but uh, the the someone that did not escape this between the time that they are now is bootstrap bill right Right. And That's right. the um, bootstrap bill in this case, I don't know if have you t- have you talked about this plot hole yet? I don't want to ruin anything for later. Uh, we the, um, depends where you're going with it, but we did talk a little bit about bootstrap bill. Uh, but go for it, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and if, and if you just want to cut this out, you guys can even use this later on because we found it on Reddit or somewhere or IMDb, which I'm sure you know. But bootstrap bill uh, isn't dead. That's right. From, he's yeah. not. Uh, Will actually ends up killing him. I, yeah. So I guess you guys have heard that because the idea that Will actually kills his father because he should be at the bottom of the ocean, fine because he has a curse on him. That's right. And then Will ends up killing him. So I, I always found that interesting. That there's probably just a bootstrap bill at the bottom of the ocean, just sitting there, just waiting for someone to kill him. So yeah, there. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about that, and so kind of what we had is that. This kind of rolls into the sequels, but he's thrown overboard. And because he has the curse, he's immortal and the whole skeleton deal. And so he's basically trapped underwater, dying all the time, you know, just because he can't breathe. It's just like this perpetual death roll, I guess, that you're having as you're drowning constantly in eternity. And so this is where Dead Man's Chest comes in and Davy Jones and how that ends up rolling in because bootstrap feeling this pain is weighing his options like do i want to be living down here forever 
feeling like I'm drowning all the time? Or do I want to make a deal with Davy Jones and join in service aboard the Flying Dutchman and collecting souls and all that kind of stuff? And so that's yeah, that, what I think where, uh, yeah. yeah, it kind of pulls it apart because then maybe he switches out. And that was, I think, one of the things we started to discuss a little bit about on our listeners crew, our Cursed Listeners crew on Facebook group is the idea, did he, you know, when did that happen? And did that, you know, does that obviously just take away, if he signs up, say, if he signs on the dotted line with Davy Jones, does that automatically negate the Aztec curse? So is there like a, a curse hierarchy here that just goes away? <laughs> you know, you trade him out for a new curse or something like that? I, that was the um, one thing. Uh, yeah, was, uh, I'll, I'll take your Aztec gold and raise you servitude. <laughs> That's <to> right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And there's these playing cards and everything. That'd be cool. <laughs> so that that's the question that we ended up having is, do you want to be in servitude of Davy Jones or do you want to have the Aztec curse? And that's what we started to discuss there. Mm, definitely the Aztec curse. Wait, so Aztec curse chained to the bottom of the sea? Or no, just or having... Aztec curse uh, on, on land? On land, on land. You didn't have to be chained Aztec to the sea. Aztec curse, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you wanted to know what I think, but that's no. definitely what I do. So, <laughs> the uh, Aztec curse all the way. That was pretty much the consensus with everybody else. Nobody nobody wanted to hang out with Davy Jones, which yeah. is a shame. Also, you, you have to turn into a fish creature. Yeah, so. that's, that's not yeah. pretty. But but you do get to hang out with Bill Knight. That's so. right. You do. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things you got to weigh when you really start looking at it. It's a minute-by-minute minute breakdown of the curse, you know, and so... You got the best organ player ever. <laughs> that's right. I mean, oh yeah, you you got to play the organ. Yeah, that's awesome. That might that might be enough to make me choose. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I just think that when when Jack dives into the water, and you see the, like the the underwater shot, this is one of the most underappreciated gorgeous shots in this movie oh, yeah. I've ever oh, seen. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. The, just the the blocking and the planning that went into this, like you could have just shot this. You you didn't even have to show them under the water, but the fact that they they took the time to film this underwater with all the fish, like those are all real fish. None of this is fake. They had to wait until all the fish got there. I just I, I really appreciate all of the planning that went into this. <laughs> Actually, because as I mentioned earlier, I really just love all the underwater shots, yeah. and I don't know if it's because it's the Caribbean and the water is so nice and clear. And you really do get a lot of cool stuff. Even just in the beginning, if we can go all the way back to when Elizabeth jumps off the or falls off or tries to jump away from Norrington, as I like to (laughs) hypothesize. But even when her dress is then floating in the ocean there and floating in the water, it's just a lot of those cool underwater shots. And I'm just also like a fish hobbyist and, and, you know, (laughs) and I love snorkeling. And so to see that and it just reminded me, just made me want to go there, actually, just... Go snorkeling. Yeah. Because <laughs> I actually pulled out the, and this is how kind of a nerd I am on that, but one of the fish that you do see, or a couple of them, when he's actually towards the bottom, are called Sergeant Majors. <laughs> and I thought, oh, really? I thought, wow, those, they're striped and they have a little bit of yellow on them. I thought, oh, those are Sergeant Majors. And I thought, what a cool tie-in because we're talking military rank and we're talking uh, British <laughs> British Royal Navy stuff here. That's that, what you were saying to yourself when we were reviewing this. That's exactly, that's exactly what I was doing. And now, now I admitted so, that to everybody. So much going on. <laughs> so I can just imagine that there was somebody, the cameraman was like, I really got to get some Sergeant Majors in this shot. He's really concerned <laughs> about that. You know that. how long that's going to take? <laughs> the, uh, a, I don't care. The um, There's a couple, I mean, we didn't talk about... Uh, 
a few things. I'm forgetting the first thing. Oh, it's that Jack here doesn't do what I thought Jack would do. If he really was that concerned, either he's faking his concern in that he thinks that the rum, rum traders are coming back, or he is – I don't know why he doesn't do what he's done so many times is that he just acts – like you might as well do that. He does that later when he says, "Go ahead, kill the boy," and and then Barbosa rolls his eye and says, "Why?" The, he, I think Jack here had the perfect time to be like, "Yes, please throw me out on this island." And so Barbosa would ask why. He's like, "Because rum traders mm-hmm. come here all the time. I'll just get right off." And so and that would have postponed as that's pretty much all Jack Sparrow does in his life is postpone his inevitable death someday. <laughs> that's right. And so I, I don't know why he didn't do that. But the I guess the I, we could have another question in that if you had one shot in an island and you were Jack Sparrow with Elizabeth Swan, who would you kill? It's it's like it's like the uh, screw Mary kill, but with just kill. I had a thought here. <laughs> he actually has a sword and the gun. Yeah. So he can stab Whoa. Elizabeth oh, yeah. with the sword and shoot himself. Well, there you go. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I didn't even notice that. I, everyone's really underappreciating the swords. In this <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stabs, stabs kill people too. Exactly. You know? I mean, it won't be pleasant, <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but which one would get the quick death? I mean, so if he didn't have the sword, I guess, if there wasn't that giant plot hole, like, literally being handed to Jack, when, when would, who would kill who? Would you kill Elizabeth or would you kill yourself? Well, I guess that depends how much rum is left on the island. <laughs> you know, yeah. You just, <laughs> yeah, the rum is gone. Oh, the rum is gone, man. That That's a rough one. Well, then. he does... He does do that. I love that when he tries to pull out the gun and tries to. Sh- He's like, "No, don't shoot." <laughs> I guess that's your next minute. Yeah, that it is. Yeah. So Heather, if we were on there on the island, dude, do you want the starvation or do you want me to just go ahead and blow you away? <laughs> to put it mildly, <laughs> I hope nobody else is listening. Is going to report me on that. But anyways, that's a good question. <laughs> Get on a watch list that you can't do a podcast yeah, exactly. anymore. I, I would take. Well, we were actually we were. So sorry. Go ahead. I would take the slow death. I guess. Yeah, she's just afraid of that. That's what I would tell her, and then I'd I, pop I would her. <laughs> <laughs> I go, oh look, a ship! Bam! <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> look, 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 she goes out with some hope, you know. She's like, oh, we're rescued, and then her lights go out. It's, you know, it's, it's just all good. <laughs> at least, at least for me. Finally, the sea turtles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's terrible. Uh, see, now look at it. We just brought it down. I was trying to be good with you guys here. and Yeah, we're, we're definitely getting on a watch list. Well, we, we ended on a real depressing yeah, yeah. We, uh, we, we, we On our one of our podcasts, we talked about how we would be on a watch list, but then we were like, no, because any government agent watching this is these guys have way too much time to commit terror. And they're, they're very busy with their hours and hours of podcasting. There's no reason they would ever go away from us. So. That's a good point. See, you yeah. guys have an alibi already then. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> we were making 10 hours of podcasting over movies. They, yeah, they'd be like, you watched all of them in one weekend? <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't kill somebody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you walk out like Jack? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just stumbled to my bed and slept for 24 hours. <laughs> or do that Orlando Bloom improv is just kind of do the little your fingers wave and you do the yeah. Jack Sparrow. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's 
all I got. But if you guys have anything else, yeah, just throw it out. Uh, I don't. I love Barbosa. That's all about all I have. I love him. Yeah. I think that's every single end of our podcast. We yeah. say, do you have anything else? And we're like, we love Barbosa. Well, we love him. He's the best. He yeah. is the He's best. so cool. Yeah. I mean, great actor, but just. Yeah, there's so much to uh, him, actually. Yeah. And just the fact that, I mean, we've talked a lot about Barbosa, but just his, just even the love of apples that he has, or this kind of symbol of apples <laughs> and wanting to, to have that, that's like his main kind of go-to thing in... His crazy know. eyes. Yeah, the crazy eyes. We talked in the what yesterday the yeah. episode. No, so it was yesterday's it was episode. Mondays. Today, today's Thursday, so it'd be. I think it was Monday's episode. Monday's episode. We talked about the star of the minute, and that was Barbosa's T. Yeah. When he actually oh, says, "Oh, oh, that that was a different day." Yeah, you're right. So just the makeup, I, and I the do stuff on that. It's just yeah. incredible. Um, I do have one last thing, and that is a hilarious thing to look at is these crew members in the back the way they're holding their swords they're not going to do anything they're, they're not going to help at all but there's this, just this one guy and you can see him at about second 40 on this minute and he's just kind of holding the sword up and just looking confused <laughs> it's like they, have, they had a cameraman and they're like put on this hat hold up the sword and he just like kind of looking to his side and he's just holding the sword in the air like when when when's lunch I don't know. <laughs> you know actually it's interesting and brought up a a point which is actually probably happening is a lot of them were seasick out there oh, because yeah. of the way that they did the filming oh, yeah. and they issued everybody, the crew that was on packed on board, like a Dramamine or a seasickness pills as they were saying, but it was not like a non-drowsy formula. So everybody was really sick. They were just falling asleep and tired. <laughs> so they were just surprised that they were actually able to get through all of this. But a lot of the pirates were just, uh, yeah. About ready to go to sleep. So this guy's probably just dazed out there and ready to go. Yeah. He's 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 bent. He's he's out of it. He's he's no he doesn't remember this this movie at all. He probably went back. Is that me? Was I was I a part of this? Yeah, he saw his name in the credits actually, and that's when it rung a bell. He's like, oh my god. I had to, I had to buy another ticket just to find out where I was. <laughs> Before we head on out and uh, close up minute 95, I think you guys should remind us where everyone can find you and they can find slapdash scripts and all that kind of good stuff. Yep. Um, CarsonandAndrew.com. We have all of our stuff up there. Um, urge you to go to our Facebook. We have Facebook.com slash CarsonandAndrew and follow us on Twitter, Twitter.com slash CarsonandAndrew. And then, of course, search slapdash scripts on itunes and on google play or just go to any of those other links i told you trust me we have plenty of links for you just you'll find it just carsonandandrew.com and go from there we'll post a link and get everybody shared over there so they can go check it out yeah that sounds like a lot of fun fantastic yeah, no worries yeah so thanks carson and andrew i mean it was really great having you pop on over and actually pose a question where you know, I had to rub Heather out on an island. It's, you know, that's the first, <laughs> <laughs> it's the first, first guest that actually, you know, posed a question where I could really talk about that. And, you know, it's a, like a huge weight has been lifted off me now. <laughs> I always like to. Thanks. Maybe we should go into therapy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might need to actually. Sure. Yeah. With all your, you know, you can roll those into your scripts that you're coming up with for your new podcast. <laughs> you know, just some of those. Oh, yeah, you, you guys might make guest appearances and we'll, at the end, we'll just put these are based off of no people. <laughs> <laughs> This podcast does not have any likeness. Anything is a coincidence. <laughs> Definitely the disclaimer on that is would be appreciated for sure. <laughs> 
We'll be back tomorrow with Minute 96 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Heather, no surprise to find you in the tavern with a tankard full of rum in your hand. What was that for? You said you were going to meet me at the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute Cursed Listeners Crew Facebook group hours ago. I was? Mother's love! Why'd you slap me again? That's for not reminding people how to contact us. Get to it, you filthy bilge rat! Man, I obviously get no respect around here. Arr! So, Scallywags, thanks for listening. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out, and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook, our Facebook listeners group, and on Twitter. If you're interested in best of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are on blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy. Thank you.